Sing along at home. Green Acres is the place to be. Far living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Keep it happy, just give me that countryside. Give me Park Avenue. All right, everybody. Come on, come on, come on. The chores. The chores. Pressure. Times Square. You are my wife. wife. Goodbye, City Life. Green Acres, we want All right, I want to start today with Maggie O'Connell. Tell people the story about the guy. Is it in the pile? What? The guy with uh, was complaining that uh, the organic eggs cost less than the wholesale eggs. I'm like, dude, what are you complaining about? <laughs> what are you complaining about? Oh, here it is. $18 a dozen. How did Marika's eggs get absurdly expensive? Well, I can answer that question. And I'll let Brian Kay answer that question. I mean, admit her money are master farmers, but what's that? It's just Brian. The guy is quoted in the story as having said. Okay, what does it say? Okay, so I'll just give you a summary. He's This guy owns a breakfast place. It's an omelet restaurant, and it's only open for breakfast, and he was complaining about the price of eggs. He said that he usually gets 36 dozen for any scheduled day or whatever. And he was complaining that wholesale prices were running him about $125 or whatever. But he was able to go to a local organic farm and get them for the exact same price as they had sold them two years ago, three years ago. And he goes, that just shouldn't be the case. Wholesale should be cheaper. Eli's Market, a gourmet grocery store, uh, a dozen organic eggs cost between $12.99 and $17.99, said one shopper. After learning of the price, that's nuts. His <laughs> store mangler declined to comment. A few blocks away, prices were lower, but still well above what customers are used to. Uh, Maria Tripodis, uh, a home chef. Peru's cartons of one dozen eggs that range from $7.49 to $9.99. These are nice eggs, but they are a lot more expensive than usual. Well, the comment is that, well, that that shouldn't be that way. I should be able to get wholesale eggs cheaper than organic eggs. Okay. Uh, let's ask Brian K. if that should be a hard and or should it be a rule? Should you be able to buy organic? Uh, should wholesale eggs? Now let's just pretend that the wholesale eggs are being wholesale and then being sold at retail. Should retail big ag eggs always be cheaper than organic eggs, Brian? Um. Not a trick question. <laughs> no, I know, but it's it's 
it's kind of hard to answer because you've already paid for them once when you subsidize it. you got to understand a lot of what they're being fed has been subsidized already. You know what? I didn't even factor that in. When people say, well, it costs me $11 to grow a dozen eggs, it may... Maybe it costs uh, Eglin Farms at eleven dollars too, but five of it is subsidized away by the agriculture department. Exactly, and that's the that's the hidden cost. So you've already paid for it. So you're really there's really not there's really not a cheap egg. Um, <laughs> so it's it's, um, it's not a quick sure, sure question, but I, I think at the end of the day, people just need to stop being gay and accept it and learn <laughs> learn these things. People need to stop being... Words of wisdom from Brian K. Quote, people need to stop being gay and just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I am writing that down. That goes right along with people who need to be... Uh, uh, get, get used to being uncomfortable... Or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And now st- people need to stop being gay... And just accept it. <laughs> oh, dude, that's that is so perfect. I almost when you said that, I would have went no gay speeches, cow. <laughs> but it's true. That's yeah, true. I mean, Stop being gay. Just accept it. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, you know, I've, I've I've told people this over and over and over again, and. You just, you, people don't, they don't, first, they don't listen. And second of all, you know, they just get spoiled by, you know, these mega chains and free shipping and, and everything else. So they think everything has to be that way. There's no, you know, there's no uh, pride in, you know, buying some so, something locally or, or supporting someone locally who might charge a little bit more. I mean, I've been, i I don't know how many times I've been told that my egg price for years was highway robbery. And I'm like, do you know what it costs to, to produce these things? And so, <laughs> well, uh, that's the thing, Brian, and that's with everything else. Because people have it, because we don't know where, and we talk about this all, all the time, and I don't want to keep being repetitive, but because people don't know where the food came from. They don't know where it was produced. They don't know who, who produced it. And quite frankly, uh, quite frank, uh, frank, frankly, until very recently, most people didn't care. They just don't care. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And you know, it, it's it's funny because you see. Well, I mean, look at anywhere. You know, we'll, we'll go. Well, you know, on Sunday we drive to Mass and drive an hour and stuff, and we're gone the bulk of the day. We come back in the afternoon, and McDonald's has a line out to the street. That's right. And and on a Sunday, and you think, you know, why aren't you home cooking? Or why, you know, <laughs> why, you know, that's not. I don't know. It, and and you know, you're not getting something good. I mean, I don't know. I, I that's always befuddled me for years because we, you know, growing up, that's how we always did it. You know, we went to church and, and came home and, you know, had a nice family meal and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it just shows how lax we've become and nobody wants to put in any effort to do anything anymore. Well, and the ones that do, they're weirdos and, you know. That's right. 
and and, and it's going to be funny because you know when people start realizing that hey this is what's killing me it's going to be like the other thing we talked about earlier well, why didn't you tell us sooner why weren't you doing it? Why didn't you tell us we should have grown our own eggs sooner? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's the same story, just a different title or a different, you know, subject. Now, I want to I, I want to uh, uh, share a little story here. This is very local and very recent, and I don't believe I've talked about it. So, I live in a bougie development, all right? Uh, I got a homeowners association. One of the things we're not allowed to do is have anything that we can't walk. If I can put a leash on it, then I can have it in my backyard. Maggie's always saying, I can put a leash on a chicken. <laughs> Watch how fast I'll strap a leash to a chicken and take that joker for a walk. Um, so we're not supposed to have, uh, not, uh, have not, you're not supposed to have chickens. Now, I've actually seen Sister Maria Philomena put a rope leash on a hog and walk it. So you actually can put a leash on a pig. I don't know if these people th thought this thing through, but in any event, if my neighbors around the bougie development were to find out uh, I was growing my own eggs, because we had a couple of chickens in the back, um, out of jealousy and spite, they would rat me out to the homeowners association. Now, there's nothing he can do about it other than find me. And I can tell him to go pound sand, then I'll put a lien on the house, and when we sell it, I'll have to pay the lien. Having said that, I walk every morning now since we moved to Studio St. Michael here at the house. I walk. I take a walk every morning to say to say my rosary, and it's really enjoyable. I, I encourage all of you, if you can do it, if you've got a place to walk, and you're saying your rosary, you know, on your knees or whatever, take a break every now and then. Just go take a walk. Maybe walk with your wife or your kids. And, and say the rosary is really especially when when you're smelling the air and early in the morning it was cold cold this morning and it was I think the stars shine brighter when it's cold and it's clear <laughs> I don't know why and you can stare up at the stars it just it, it it's just a, it's a wonderful experience I love I look forward to it every morning it's get me gets me out of bed at three uh, uh, BK so last week I came in and I told Maggie I said. I don't know what's going on here, but every morning I am hearing a rooster, and that joker does not sound like he's coming from across Highway 22. It sounds like it's in somebody's backyard. And she went, "Oh no, that's probably that's that's there's probably a loose one running around or something." Then I said, "I heard a cow bellow, a bull. I know what a bull bellowing now sounds like, because it was in West's father-in-law." has a bull, and I know what it sounds like now because I've heard it a thousand times now. I heard a bull bellowing. Heard him again this morning. Well, somebody went on the Facebook page for uh, the Homeowners Association here and is raising holy hell about it only to find out that there is a little tract of land right across the road here, and, yeah, that guy has a bull. And he, has, and he has chickens and a rooster. Now, uh, my, now, my thought process is, what's the difference between if you can hear his bull and his rooster, but it's not in the Homeowners Association property, what would be the difference between hearing my rooster <laughs> but I'm on the Homeowners Association property? You see how they the, the these these bougie developments and look I cursed the Avril cursed the day that I was born a bougie development dweller. 
trains people like us, until you and Mitter and others helped untrain us, trains people into not caring. A matter of fact, to just outright dismiss where your food, especially your your basics. I mean, this is the basic. This is the base food that almost everyone has, eggs, chicken, where it comes from, who grew it, and how do they grow it. So you can thank the American suburban bougie development dream for getting rid of the locally raised chicken and the egg, Brian. Mm-hmm. Well, you can also, I think, thank our greatest generation that spoiled a lot of people. And, I mean, my mom, she had no desire to do eggs or farming or anything. She's like, you know, she when when and. You know, she grew up farming, you know, and talked about how wonderful all the vegetables were. But when it came to, you know, producing eggs and stuff, they're like, why do you want to do that? You know, and it's like, it just, it, you know, it was, you know, it was kind of like, you know, go get, go get, everybody go work, go to the grocery store and do your thing and, and you don't have to do it. You don't have to worry about it. So, you know, it's, and, and there's people have aversion to, you know, stuff homemade. You know, I, there's a friend of mine uh, that, you know, he he may have been teasing me and stuff, but, you know, we were making sausage the other day, and I sent him a picture. He's like, oh, that's unsanitary. And I'm like, you don't see what we do to prepare and clean and, and you know, everything. You know, it's not, we're not running making a million pounds of meat a day and, you know, not cleaning the equipment between, you know, batches and all that stuff, you know, like they do in these in these big factories. And where, you, you know, that breed these salmonella outbreaks or listeria or E. coli or, you know, all these things. So it, it's, I, I think you, you still have to change that mindset. You know, I don't, you don't see it as bad in these smaller rural communities, but it, it's, it's still there. And, you know, people want big stores or they want chain restaurants or, you know, everybody's so sad. We need a Chick-fil-A here. Why? Why? You know? Why, why I, I, I love that. We need a Chick-fil-A here. Why? Why? And, dude's holy name, would you need a Chick-fil-A? Man, I can't chicken famine, man. You know, you go right down the street from here, five miles from here, where these stores are. And there is a Chick-fil-A. And if I drive past there between 11 and 1 any weekday, they have two drive-up lines. Not one, but two. And they have to have kids out there with iPads so they can wirelessly transmit the orders because there's 60 cars. I'm not exaggerating. There are 60 cars in line to get a Chick-fil-A waffle fry sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that everywhere. Everywhere there is one, it's lying out the door and or out the out into the street. And, now imagine and, this, Brian. Imagine a Chick Fil A. You, you and I would not be as opposed to it if we knew where the chicken was coming from, and if they were to adver- advertise now proudly frying our chicken in one hundred percent lard. Now you talk. <laughs> <laughs> Now frying our chicken at 100% lard, the way it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. But that is not going to happen. 
No, no, because it's, I mean, it's a conversation. You know, I don't know if you saw it in the million message reform chat, but um, there was someone. Some days I can't, the, uh, some days I can't catch up. There's too oh, many messages yeah, yeah, to catch up. <laughs> it's, or, it's a very, it's a, it's a taxing exercise someday, but it's a lot of, there's a lot of good information. But uh, no, they, they posted the Tufts University food ranking or whatever at the bottom of the list was everything that you know everything natural that you cook food in like lard or butter and then at the top of the list frosted mini wheat i mean now let's talk about this uh, brian coke one of our master farmers here on a free farm friday mike church show on the crusade channel live talk radio the way it should be brian let's uh, we talked about this and we have a bunch of maggie almost got a uh, a degree from mcnay state university in nutrition she could be a nutritionist well you're one semester away right uh i think katie beeman has studied this or others out there that have that have studied i think you have studied biology so you know a little bit about this it used to be back in the day that uh, uh, fried food, what we call fried food, fried chicken, fried anything, was fried in tallow. It was fried in either tallow or it was fried in lard, okay? Uh, now people go, ew, yuck, gross. No, mm, mm, good. Uh, that stuff, animal fat, straight up animal fat, is good for you. Do people have this misconception? <laughs> oh, no, it's bad. It's bad. It makes... Find me a fat farmer, a real, real manly man, fat farmer. Show me one. Just go find one. Um, what happened was the USDA in cahoots with Big Ag began pushing this crap called vegetable oil, hydrogenated vegetable oil. Uh, now, the first blends of the oil were lard with this vegetable oil crap. Go go YouTube, uh, go, go to YouTube and go watch a video on how vegetable oil is made, and you'll never use it again. Mm-hmm. You'll never use it again. You will not put that in your body. You just won't do it. So if you're reading labels, anytime you see hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, run. <laughs> Check it off. Let's go. Nope, nope. Do you like the, the the movie? Nope. And the Geico commercial? Nope, nope. <laughs> Not going to do it. The hydrogenated vegetable oil was then replaced in other restaurant uh, superstores, uh, Cisco and the big suppliers. Then they all got into this, and they started making different concoctions that had fl- higher flash points. And then the peanut farmer, farmers went, a lot easier to squeeze the peanuts to get oil out of them than it is to roast them and salt them. So let's make peanut oil. And look, I like peanut oil. At least peanut oil comes from a pe- it comes from a peanut. At least it comes from something that was grown. Probably grown with glyphosate, but at least it was grown. You look at these concoctions that Cisco sells, for example, Frymax. What does Frymax have in it? I'll tell you what it doesn't have in it. It doesn't have any lard in it. There's no animal fat in that. This is what your fast food is fried in, and this is what breaks down the sugar or causes the sugar to be stored up in your body, double tax your pancreas, and either leads to pancreatic cancer in some instances, or it leads to type 2 diabetes and obesity. This is a fact. Uh, and you can, you can go to any nat- natural news site. You can go to anywhere. There's studies that have been done on this stuff. I'm telling you what, how this happens here. If we want to deal with the obesity crisis, and it is becoming a, a, a bit of a crisis, 
Um, and it's not people's fault, Brian. I don't think people are so much, uh, so much overeating as they are incorrectly eating. Yeah, well, and I've said this before, you know, we are obese but malnourished. There you go, that's right. Because we're eating, we've loaded, we've traded sugars. We're told sugars aren't bad for us and not fattening and to cut out the fat. And when you, when your body processes sugar, it stores it. With fat, it digests it. It's digestible. So you're not, you, you know, you're not, uh, it's not being processed. Well, right, that's right. It's not. It's fat. You can't break it down. You can't break it down. But your pancreas sees it, it goes, oh, sugar. Mm-hmm. I need to attack it. And your pancreas goes, well, wait, I'm out of insulin. I can't make it that fast. This is what happens, and then it does not get processed, and then it makes it makes obesity. Let's, now, on the same subject here on Free Farm Friday, let's talk nutrition. So Cincinnati's Buccanatus put this, uh, uh, you saw this, uh, image in the chat room. Uh, illustrative examples of limitations of food compass scores. That's from 2022. Now, now listen, you're not, folks, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to share it with you. So the, the chart says... The chart says a green bar is to be encouraged. A yellow bar is to be moderated. What does a yellow light mean? Speed up. Go faster. No. <laughs> a red bar is to be minimized. Okay. What is the thing that is most to be encouraged? 100. 100. You got 100. Guess, Maggie. Guess. Have you seen the chart? Watermelon. Watermelon. What's the second thing to be encouraged? Kale. Kale. What's the third thing? Put the microphone on. Put the microphone on. Frosted mini-wheats. Frosted mini-wheats for the win, Brian. Now, what is to be discouraged? Oh, you will love this. Let's start at the thing that is to be most discouraged. There's a war on against this. Ground beef. Second, to be discouraged, cheddar cheese. And then third, Brian, whole egg fried in butter. I can make my diet whole eggs fried in butter, cheddar cheese, and ground beef, and be a happy camper, Mr. Coke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And be healthy, too. (laughs) Yeah, well... Don't look in there now, because it, it's Friday, but I just broke the chart. <laughs> uh, you broke the chart? <laughs> uh, and people in the Free Farm Friday signal chat, they're all going like, uh, they're making fun of it. These people are serious. Mm-hmm. Oh, These yeah. people are serious. Yeah, I encounter this all the time. I mean, it's and it's nuts. I mean, it's, and I'm like, are, are, are you serious? But, again, that's what we've been told. And that's what, you know, that's pretty much what the FDA has been good for for years is propaganda. Oh, and, they're really good at propaganda. You know, I mean, red wine, it's good for you, then it's bad for you, then it's good for you again. And then it's, you know, or coffee or, you know, all this stuff, you know. And it's, you know, they, they just, 
one study says this, one study says that. I mean, I don't know if they've all been peer-reviewed or not. You know, it's got to be peer-reviewed, you know, and it's for it to be legit. But, Let me take you back you know, to 19... Uh, I'm going to take you back to 1994 here. This is what we used to think. When the clay cameras dropped by unexpectedly, it was beef. When the clay cameras dropped by unexpectedly, it was beef and pasta primavera. For the first ever straight A report card, it was stir-fried beef fajitas. <laughs> and for the upset victory in the bowling league tourney, it was bistro steak subs. Of course, it's not that you need a special occasion to appreciate dinners like these. All you really need is half an hour, and your average Wednesday will do just fine. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Ah! Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. You remember those commercials? Yep. Mm-hmm, I do. I do. <laughs> Justin, you remember the uh, beef is what's for dinner commercials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gregory Peck, you, you remember Gregory Peck did the, did the voice for the, uh, the, uh, the Cattlemen's Association for years. The famous actor Gregory Peck. Yeah, I mean, you see those—that's on bumper stickers all over here. I mean, we're, I mean, there's a lot of beef that's raised around here, and those—I mean, you know, I remember one a week without steak, or what was that? Seven days without beef makes one week, and it was W E A K. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Seven days a week and no beef. What makes one uh, makes Johnny uh, very weak? Yeah, <laughs> Johnny it makes one week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now people think that we're joking about this. We're not joking about this at all. Now I want to go to Planet Today here on Free Farm Friday with, uh, with Brian Coke, our master farmer and a biologist uh, with the state of Texas. Department of Agriculture, scientists warn eggs are causing thousands of people to suddenly form blood clots. Now <laughs> they're blaming the clot shot on eggs. Mm -hmm. According to a new study, a nutrient found in eggs increases the risk of blood clotting. Express.co.uk reports the study conducted by Cleveland Clinic, and I guarantee you, funded by Crisco, uh, the study conducted by Cleveland Clinic suggests that choline could make the blood more prone to clotting. Choline is sometimes sold in over-the-counter dietary supplements. It is deemed an essential nutrient that is widely recommended for optimal health. According to Medical News Today, it supports various bodily functions, including cellular growth, blah, 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 blah. Researchers found that consuming the nutrient in high concentrations could lead to cause clotting, however. So the assault on farm-raised food, this goes back to the 90s. You know, the Beef Council, the, Cat the, the Cattlemen's Association of America, I believe is who sponsors the, the beef is what's for dinner. No, it's the Beef Industry Council. Are they still around on the beef board? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they are the ones that sponsor this. Why? Why did they do this? Because they were being attacked. Because cattle ranchers across the United States were being told that they were farming poison by Al Gore and his little lieutenants, his lieutenants. That's why the Beef It's Watch for Dinner campaign was taken on. I remember I interviewed the guy, Beef Industry Council dude, one of their spokespersons or something, like back in 1993 or 1994. And he said, well, you know, we started the program because we represent cattle ranchers. 
and cattle ranchers are under assault. We're being attacked. These lunatics want to remove beef from supermarket shelves, and they don't want people eating any of it, not a little bit, none. Yeah, and you know, another thing that really hurt beef, remember mad cow disease? Oh, yeah, well, the people in Britain are still terrified. And Oprah did a show on it, and that, and they sued Oprah mm-hmm. over that. And it was, on the cattle raisers, I mean, it was, cause she, you know, talked about how bad meat was and everything like that. And come to find out, a lot of that stuff is due to chemical exposure and not really what they were saying it was. And so now you can't, like, say you want to process an older steer and stuff. Mm-hmm. You cannot get the bones close to the rib or to the uh, spine because of the whole mad cow disease. Even on grass finished animals who have never seen a feedlot, you can't. You it has to has to meet. You know it can't be used. So you know if you want a tomahawk ribeye from a you know a four year old you know steer that you you know finished and you know whatever wagyu or whatever you want. You can't do that, and uh, yeah, it just—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's under. You know, I think it was just another attack. You know, and uh, from, from another ramp. Now, now, uh, now, mad cow disease basically was a result of big, big cattle, if you will. Yeah, putting cattle in, yeah. in conditions where where they weren't really grazing, they were being herded up and corralled into small pens and being fed. Corn, basically, yeah, being fed yeah, grains. And, and you're 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 seeing a similar uh, condition. It's called chronic wasting disease in, in deer, and I think only there's there haven't. I don't think I think you can maybe count on your hand how many wild deer have been caught. You know, found with chronic wasting disease. It's a lot of these operations that raise deer for you know trophy hunting or, or, you know, and they sell the genetics and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a condition of, you know, the, the feeding and the, the chemical use and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's people don't understand, you know, when you treat something, so it's going to get, if it's, in, if it's on the food, it's going to get in your immune system and affect it one way or another. And that's, you know, I think that's what we're seeing. And, and I think, you know, one thing, the whole sham, sham demic and everything taught us was how really unhealthy of a people we are. And, you know, people were scared for their lives because they didn't have a naturally healthy immune system to, to fight it off. That's right. And yeah, I don't know if they knew it outright or intrinsically or what, but, you know, it, 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 there was something, there was something there. And so, and, and that's what we're seeing. And so, Again, it, it's it's a whole, you know, just it's a whole. I mean, you know, we're shouting on a megaphone. This is why we need to get back to pasture raising animals and treating the. You know, it starts with the soil. It all starts, and, and everything goes back to the soil. You know, and, we were and, watching and, a, and, uh, a a an English crime drama drama called The Suspect, where this psychologist is basically set up and framed for a, a series of murders. Um, and the show is about their, he's trying to exonerate himself, and he tells the cop. He goes, "Why? Why do you keep? What do you keep insisting 
Mr. Lafleur, or whatever his name was. Why do you keep existing, Mr. Lafleur? That this all goes back to the children. Why is it always back to the children? And the psychologist goes, because it does. He goes, like, because it does. Almost every deranged adult became deranged, deranged by something that happened to them when they were kids. And it's the same thing. The bad things that we t- talk about in the food supply, the 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 glyphosate and all that stuff, uh, that uh, there's all in the soil and the water now, it all goes back to the soil. It is the abuse of the soil. It is the abuse of the lamb. Uh, it is man saying to God, we don't need your fertilizers, Louie. We have our own. We have leftover from World War II, and we're going to use it. And if you don't like it, well, then you go pound sand. It all does originate with the soil. I mean, really, it does. And if you could drive that one point home, then you would go a long way towards people asking, okay, well, if it all goes back to the soil, what are the cows eating that the one, the few that are eating uh, grass, where are they getting the grass? What kind of grass is it? Is it good grass? Is it, is it miracle Grow grass? So it really does. It always goes back to the simplest things, and the soil is the simplest thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I preach on building your soil and keeping it healthy. Because you're gonna, when you do that, all your cycles come back. Your nutrient cycles, your water cycle, your carbon cycle, everything is functioning. And you know, we were in the in the uh, million million word chat uh, the other day we were discussing rain and you know how I'm cycling water and you know they're talking about crops being flooded and everything like that well look how the crops are raised you can't cycle water on plowed ground that's right so it, it, I mean we only had like an inch of rain the other day and I drove home through you know looking at plowed fields and there's water standing in every one of them I come home and it stopped raining the same time at my house than it did the field a mile away from my house there's not a drop of water standing. Uh, you know, it, 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 it. So your soil, just to translate this for people who may be wondering, I don't get it. Your soil is absorbing the water to retain and cons- and preserve it. Yes, because I. It's a giant I, sponge, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you. I mean, you can go on these big farms, even the ones that you know they'll they'll terminate their cover crops with with you know herbicides like glyphosate or whatever, you know, you can st- you can walk on that ground and tell a difference between ground that's plowed. I mean, especially, you know, on a hot summer day when it hadn't rained for a couple weeks, the, the, the no-till cover crop ground feels like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And the other, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it's like walking on concrete. I mean, it, it's, you can tell a difference. I mean, the, the key and, 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 you know, the, the biggest key is bringing biology back into the system and keeping, you know, keeping that ground covered and stuff and protecting that biology that's there. Because, you know, a bare piece of ground on a 90-degree day, you put a thermometer on that bare piece of ground and it might be 120 degrees. What starts dying at, you know, 110, 115 degrees? You know, microbes. They start, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it... it, it translate and so all those principles i talk about and 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 keep harping on you know we, we got to follow them and got to keep keep doing them because we will you know if we can get our you know 
be nice to string a lot of properties together to do it. But if we do it on our own, we're gonna we're gonna see the benefits. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and and so it it's and, and I don't know. There's you know, there's good days and bad days. You know, let me, let some me, people and you feel like you have no hope, but other days you feel like you have a lot of hope. Right. Let me tell you a quick story here. Brian Koch with us on our Freeform Friday uh, for this, uh, this uh, week. All previous episodes available at crusadechannel.com. All of them. Uh, so we mistakenly, we had a fr- friend con-, con us into planting a palm tree in our backyard in 2008 or 2009. No, no, I ain't gonna get that big. It'll be very. It'll it'll look really, really cool. You'll you'll, you'll like it. Well, uh, it is 13, 14, 14 years later. That tree is seventy feet tall. It has forty feet of dead previous year palm branches on it that I'd have to hire someone or get a get a bucket truck to get up there and cut. And the worst part about it is, is you can see, you can see where that tree sucks the literal life out of about a thousand square feet of lawn. And nothing will grow there other than weeds. So uh, I got to get the tree cut down if I was going to stay here, that, that tree has got to go. Uh, my answer to it, though, is uh, uh, I planted... 10 pounds of ryegrass on what it had turned into weeds. And um, and, and the ryegrass took very, it's beautiful out there. I mean, I got ryegrass, it looks like something out of the Shire. Uh, That ryegrass, hopefully, will, when when it dies, when it goes dormant this year, um, I guess if I'm still here, I'll hit it with a, what what grass seed would you suggest? What would you grow in Texas? What would you grow in Wharton if you were going to plant grass? Oh, gosh, for a lawn? Maybe a Bermuda or something. Uh, um, no Bermuda. <laughs> Bermuda's a vine. It creeps. Uh, mm-hmm. If you got a circular mower, Bermuda would be the way to go. I think I might actually plant some St. Aug. Uh, Saint, uh, yeah, Saint, that, that, Saint Augustine. that's a good one. That's a good one. It's hard to mow. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what? Yeah, it gets thick. Uh, uh, but all right, we, we only got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, next up here on Free Farm Friday, the 13 few food shortages to expect in 2023. Uh, guess what number one is on the list? Mm, food shortages? Yep. Um, eggs. Beef. Beef. Well, um, According to Beef Magazine, the USDA estimates that the average American will consume 5.6% less beef in 2023 uh, than they did in 2022, the steepest decline in consumption in nearly 40 years. Consumers' choice to buy less beef is related to economic concerns, blah, 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 blah. All this resulted, and they're talking about the drought in Texas, which is responsible for 15% of the U.S. beef supply. Um, and, and then all this resulted in early calls and slaughter of cows meant to be processed in 2023. So as ranchers catch up, consumers can expect a nationwide shortage of beef products of every kind. Are we going to have a crisis shortage, Brian, or just a, well, it got expensive? Because one way you can derail a shortage like this is increase the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The price mechanism mm-hmm. does work. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, you know, I mean, I think people are, you're seeing that, you're seeing that with the eggs. People are buying less eggs. 
Um, so you're, I mean, you're seeing that. I mean, you, you, you know, you see it. It's funny, you know, when I went to the grocery store yesterday and, you know, I noticed that every, all the prices gone up, but you know what has not gone up? What? Beer. Beer. <laughs> No beer's going up here. Oh Lord, it's a, it's twelve dollars really? for a for a beat of uh, uh, for a beat of Mardi Gras buck. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I've always paid like a little higher for craft, so it seems that seems. I don't like, buy mass. The only thing that remo- remotely resembles mass-produced beer that you will find in my refrigerator. Uh, every now and then, you might see some Modelo in there, which is made by mm-hmm. which is made by Coors now. And you might see some Yingling. Now, Yingling is actually America's oldest still-functioning brewery. Mm-hmm. It used to be a craft beer. But now yeah. that they're exporting it all across the United States, well, now it's gotten it's gotten big. It still tastes good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yingling used to be a craft beer. Um, number three on the list of food shortages coming is beer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Now, there's a couple of things driving this. Number one is there is a shortage of aluminum. Now, I don't like beer in cans. I never have. If I can get it, I always prefer a bottle or draft. Um, you know, if you go to one of the joys of going to Scotland or in England, is you will find pubs. This is a true story. You will find out, not all of, all, of, uh, all of them, but you will find pubs where either they make the beer in their on-site or someone in a little town makes the beer, and they don't put it in metal kegs. They put it in wood barrels. Mm-hmm. And they put them in the basement, and it gets pretty cold in England. You dig a hole deep enough, and in a cold climate like that, it stays cold year-round. It stays around 43, 45 degrees naturally. You don't have to do anything else to it. Uh, and then they will use a pump system. You know, there's no carbonation, so it's carbonated in keg. Uh, or they'll use nitrogen uh, 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 at the at the tap. Some people do. Uh, they'll use a pump system, and they'll actually pump that up from the barrel. There's just nothing like, unless you made it yourself, getting a freshly poured, pumped up from the barrel, small batch craft beer in England or in Scotland. And I have been blessed to have, oh, I don't know, a couple of cases. <laughs> Uh, so, if beer were to go in short supply, you can make your own, but you better start now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not expensive, and you won't save any money. Home brewing does not save you any money. It's not cheap. No. You're not going to say malt is expensive. I don't care where you get it from. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's like a lot of things you do. I mean, it's not really cheaper, but it's better and better for you, so... In the end, it is cheaper because you're not spending medical bills or anything like that. I mean, I, I, I think people don't even look. You know, they don't look beyond you know a week out if if, if they're not, if, if they're only looking a, a day out. You know, so now, you know, it's, it's not. There's no long term. We should do a and, show. Uh, Brian English could do it, uh, or several of the guys that listen could do it. Uh, I think Jesse Putnam brews his own beer. I want to see he makes his own wine. We should do a Free Farm Friday show, guys. One of you that's a home brewer, a really good one, 
Maybe my friend Rod Ratliff. Rod, are you listening? Rod's a great home brewer. I, I, he's giving me some of his beer. We really should do a home beer, uh, a home brewing Free Farm Friday show. Number two on the list, though, here. Send me an email if you're interested. I am King Dude at ProtonMail.com or hit me up in the signal chat uh, for the uh, Free Farm Friday signal chat. Uh, number two on the list this is the last one we're going to talk about, and this is a shaka lettuce. Now, this is going to come as a, as a it won't come as a surprise to you, f- former avocado toast aficionado snobs. Most of the produce that you get in the winter that shouldn't be gotten comes from either California or Mexico, Mr. Coke. What mm-hmm. has happened in California and the great western United, St- United States in the last 10 years? Oh. I don't know, a drought, maybe? A drought. The worst <laughs> drought in in the civilized history, the settled history of California. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you, you, anyway, it just goes back. You, you're trying to do too many things in a desert with not enough water. So Now, if you've ever, have you been to California? I never have, no. Okay. Well, uh, those of you that haven't been to California and those of you that ha- uh, have, this this description will sound familiar to you. And, uh, and to others, you'll be uh, you'll want to go to California. California. Everyone thinks of California as everything that is west of the Shasta or the Sierra Nevada mountains, and everyone thinks of everything that is east of the Shasta and the Sierra Nevada mountains as Death Valley. Mm-hmm. Okay, in Southern California, that's. Okay, that's that, that, that's largely true. But if you get to mid in Northern California, that is not the case. On the eastern side of the Shasta Mountains and then on the Sierra Nevada Mountains, it's some of the most beautiful rolling hill farmland you'll ever see. What am I talking about? TKD, you don't know what you're talking about. Napa. The Russian River Valley. These are all, these are growing sanctuaries or paradises. They're so beautiful. California is one of the most beautiful places you'll ever go. And on the eastern side of the Shasta Mountains, down towards, you're getting close to Southern California and Bakersfield in that area, San Bernardino County. About 100 miles north of San Bernardino County, you'll smell this thing before you get to it. Is the largest cattle production play, uh, cattle ranch in all of California. You'll come down over a hill in this beautiful green valley, and then you'll smell it, and you're going, "Oh my God!" God. Those cows, there's hundreds of thousands of them, Brian. It's a million, millions of acres. Those cows are all there. I mean, there's probably twenty cows per acre, and then there's a massive slaughtering facility there. Um, uh, that's just an example uh, of, the, of the farmland. That's where your beef comes from, uh, uh, from the big ag in California. But lettuce is primarily grown in the winter and in the spring. It's primarily grown in California and in Mexico. Now, I know because I successfully grew lettuce all the way up until mid-June here last year. Uh, you can grow your own lettuce, and it's not hard, Brian. Not difficult at all. No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. It's one of the easiest things to, that you can grow, especially in our area this time of year. 
Well, so I got a delivery of Johnny Seeds coming today, and I got a couple of, of lettuce mixes, and I'll be planting the. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll be uh, uh, seed starting some some what Maggie Nothing. some seeds, and uh, hope to get my pot uh, potato slips here soon. This purchase of seed stuff and growing is becoming like a woman's obsession with shoes. <laughs> well, until I develop my own line of seed production, <laughs> I can harvest my own. <laughs> All right, we're just about out of time. So, uh, learn there's going to be a shortage of lettuce and avocado toast. So, learn how to grow your own lettuce. Uh, maybe we'll do a, uh, I think we have done Free Farm Friday shows on It's not hard, folks. Uh, and that wraps up this edition of Free Farm Friday. I want to thank Brian uh, Kokar, Master Farmer, for stopping by today. Brian, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you all. Um, enjoy the, the our chat, and uh, look forward to our next one. All right. God bless you and Suzanne and the, uh, the beautiful kids. Uh, that wraps us up here for today, folks.